All right, Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 25. We're going to read all the way down through verse 37. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who, I'm going to insert a word here, exactly is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to share three things with you this morning. Um, hopefully fairly quickly, and, and we'll move on. I, the first thing I, I, I think this, this passage screams unto us is this truth, and we've talked about this before, that it, it's, it's not enough for us to know the truth. We have to live the truth, right? It's, it's not enough for us to know the truth of God's Word. We must live the truth of God's Word. And, and uh, the story is, is this, an expert in the law, some would say a, uh, a lawyer, but really, really more like a Pharisee or a scribe, okay, comes to Jesus with this question. Right? And the question is just, hey, hey, Jesus, how do I get into this eternal kingdom you've been preaching about? Right? How, how do I become a part of your kingdom? How do I become a part of the family of God? Um, all these things that you've been talking about, like, how do I do that? How do I get eternal life? Right? And, and, and Jesus says, well, I don't know, you tell me what the law says. You know, the law that you're an expert in. <laughs> so tell me, what does it say? And so the man answers him, he says, well, it says that I've got to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and it says I I need to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, you know what? You're right. In fact, look at it in verse uh, 28. He he says, you've answered correctly, Jesus says. You you know the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. You, You know it. You're right. You know it. But then look what he adds. Now do this, and you'll live. You want eternal life, and that's awesome. So, so, so let me tell you, what, what, what does the law that you're an expert in say? You're the expert in the law. You're the one that's trying to pin a question on me, maybe try to embarrass me publicly. So Jesus asked him, what, is your, what does this law that you're an expert in say? And he says, it says, I've got to love God with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength, and I've got to love people. I've got to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, you know what? You're dead on. 
You're, you're exactly right. Now go and, and do it. He tells this expert in the law a story. And that story emphasizes the, the truth that Jesus is trying to make, the point that he's trying to make. And, and that truth is that love has always been a verb. It's an action word, right? It's not a noun. It's not a thing. It, it, love is something that has to be done to somebody else. That's what it is. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son, right? Love has always been a verb. While we were still sinners, the Bible says, right? Christ died for this. This is love. It's an action that while we're still sinners, God dies in our place. It, 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 it's a verb. That's why we changed our, our vision statement. By the way, last August, I, I had to. I, I talked to some teachers in McDade this week, and we're talking about um, what they could do. What was the one thing they could do to change a child's life this year? Was it better test prep? Was it doing better at lesson plans? What was the one thing they could do to really have an impact on people's life, on a kid's life, on a family's life? And I said, "Here's the one thing I could give you a suggestion. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a teacher as you are. I, I teach from a different textbook. But if, if I were going to suggest one thing to you, I would suggest this one thing. I would suggest that you love people, that you just love your students, and, and that's that, that's a verb, right?" It's something that you're going to have to do. And so, so because of this text, we change what we do here, right? We said, you know, we're, we're going to be about loving God and loving people. And, and, and so our, our whole mission statement is love God, love people. What's that, what's that last one? Do something. Because love does. You, you cannot love in word. You must love in word and deed. And so that's, that's what Jesus is teaching here. By the way, I'm, I'm going to tell you there's going to be a great opportunity for you to do that here in the week, next week or so. Elgin Elementary, most of the teachers still can't get into their rooms. So it's going to be a last-minute call to action to get their rooms finished. It's just going to be that way. And so here's my, here's my hope, here's my vision. I was like, yeah, I can't. Are you one of the ones, no AC in your room? Do you have AC? Okay, so no water. It's awesome. Potty breaks outside, huh? Say, there's not any bushes. There's nowhere to, yeah, there's not... Can't even go country, can you? Um, there's going to be a call at the last minute. We'll probably put it out on Facebook. We'll probably email. And we're going to need an army of folks to show up at the last hour and, and to get a whole bunch of rooms ready. And so it's going to be an opportunity for you to practice this kind of thing, loving God, loving people, actually doing something. And so, so you start with just that, that first truth, right? It's not enough to know the truth. We have to live out the truth. That's what we're called to do, Okay. Second, I want you to see this. Living out the truth means that we don't get to choose who we love. Right? Living out the truth means that we don't get to choose who we love. So, so the expert in the law, he knew what the law said. Right? I mean, he had it right. But he also knew that there were some people in his life that he didn't love. He knew that. There, there, there were some people, certain people in his life that he didn't love. He knew that the law said he had to love God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his mind. And he knew that the law said he had to love his neighbor as, as himself. But he also knew there were some people that he didn't really love. And so, he tries to justify himself to Jesus. He tries to justify this fact that there are certain people that he doesn't really care for in his life. That word justify means to declare right. He tries to declare that his actions, uh, being unloving towards a certain group of people, are right. 
He tries to do this before God. By the way, we do the same thing all the time. Uh, so don't think like, oh, that, that's a terrible sinner. We do it all the time. And, and, and so that's what he's doing. He's before Jesus, the king of kings, right? right? The lion and the lamb, the alpha and the omega, the one that holds all things together, according to Colossians. He's before him, and he is justifying the fact that though the law says he is to love his neighbor, he knows there are certain people that he does not care for, that he does not love, and he's actually standing before God trying to, ju- trying to, to justify his actions, trying to declare that it is right for him not to love these people. And so I ask, well, who exactly is my neighbor? Who exactly is my neighbor? See, this is a, I call this a where is the line question. Right? Where is the line? How, how far can I go? This is every parent's worst nightmare, but it is the most common question I got in 10 plus years of youth ministry. Parents, you should listen to that. They want to know where is the line in relationships. What's okay? How far can I go? And I'm going to tell you this morning the same thing that I told them, and it's this. Anytime you find yourself asking this kind of question... It's kind of, where is the line? How far can I go? Question, how far must I go? Question, it's an indication of a major heart problem. It is. Anytime your response to, to the Word of God is, well, how much of that do I really have to do? It's because you have a major heart problem, right? So, so I, I'm just going to be honest. If you're sitting here this morning and suddenly your left arm went numb, you better tell somebody, right? Please don't die there in the pew, Okay, we have another service at 11. I love you. I'm just saying, we're going to have to shut things down and we're going to have to meet out in the parking lot in the rain or whatever. You know, not, I'm just joking. I, I, I don't really uh, enjoy uh, being around. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, you'd freak everybody out. We'll just tell everybody you're asleep. That's what we'll say. Be like, oh, I, just, I bored them. Bored them to death. Um, and so, uh, so we'll do that. If you've got symptoms, right? If, if your arm goes numb, if you've got tightness in your chest, you tell somebody, we rush you to the hospital, they give you some medicine so that you don't have a heart attack and die right there. Because there's a major heart issue going on. My friends, when you find yourself asking this question, how far do I have to go? Where is the line? That is a symptom that you have a major heart problem and it is time to run to the great physician. Every single time. And that's what this expert does here. Where exactly is the line, Jesus? What do I have to do? Who do I have to love and still get into this life that you speak of? And so Jesus responds to this thoroughly Jewish man, by the way. This thoroughly Jewish man. He responds to this thoroughly Jewish man by telling him a story where he highlights this truth. Ready? Here's the truth. He says, you need to love the people that you think the least of. You might want to jot that down. Who's my neighbor? Jesus' response. He said, who do I have to love? And Jesus responds, you need to love the people that you think the least of in life. That's who you need to love. Right? It's not the priest that shows love, that that acts. It's not the Levite that shows love and acts. It is the person that this Jewish expert in the law 
would have the least amount of respect for that actually loves the man. And he acts and he does something. And Jesus is saying, you want to know who your neighbor is? Your neighbor is your fellow man. Your neighbor is every human being that I have created in my image that is made of flesh and blood. All of mankind. Yeah, all of them. You've got to love them, even the ones you don't like. Even the ones that you think the least of. You have to love them. That's who you have to love. All of them. I wonder, who might Jesus point to in our lives? You know, the groups of people that we have tried to justify not loving or not caring for. Maybe right now it's, you know, we're heading towards November. Maybe it's that other political party, you know, the one that you don't vote for. Maybe those are the people that you're unloving for. You know, it's tragic. In the church, I hear people speak of politics as if if it's the gospel. As if you don't land on one side or the other, you're not a Christian. Ooh. How do we try to simplify the complexities of a nation that is so far from God and needs so much help? We're not a one-issue nation anymore. We're not. If you don't understand those complexities and understand that anybody with a heart may actually think differently than you, then you decide that somebody's not really worthy of your love or appreciation because they don't think the same way. So for may, may, maybe for you, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what we have here, but maybe for you, it'd take a whole lot for somebody with a Hillary for president sign in the yard for you to go help them if they'd fallen down, right? Poor little old lady there in her front yard, she's fallen over, and you're like, eh, she's a Democrat. She needs to call the government. It's their job to help her. She knows that. Maybe you feel that way about Trump. You see somebody with a sign in their yard and you think, man, I do not care. I don't care. Something happened to them. I don't even think I'd call the cops. Isn't that sad? Maybe it's a different group of people. What about the LBGT community? I see a lot of hate spewed. I see a lot of hate. I see a huge lack of love. Listen, friends, you can cling to the truth of God's word and still love people. There's nothing that says that you cannot still cling to the truth of Scripture and believe that sin is sin and yet still not genuinely love and care for people. Nothing says that. And yet I see a genuine movement of growing hate amongst Christians. And I just wonder what, what Jesus would say to us about our lack of love for people. Maybe it's for people from other religions. How are you feeling about the Muslim population right now? Because I hear some Christians saying things like, we need to kill them all. Wow. And yet the leader of our faith, Jesus, took death upon himself. And I just wonder, I just wonder if, if somewhere along the way we're missing the boat. Can I ask you this? What would it take for you this morning 
to see whatever person I just mentioned as your neighbor. But what would it take for you to see them as your neighbor? Would they have to be stripped naked, bloody and bleeding like the man in this passage? Would that even matter? Right? See, the point of the, this, this story is meant to evoke in us emotion. It is meant to challenge us to the core of who we are and how we are living. It is meant to make us ask these kind of questions. Who is my neighbor? And the answer is, they're all your neighbor. Love them. Love them. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Number three, I'll be honest with you. Loving people is costly. Loving people is costly. So why do we have a tendency to want to draw the line when it comes to loving people? Why do we have a tendency to try to justify not loving other groups of people? Why, Why do we typically bend that way? Well, the answer is because we're cheap. We are. We are cheap. We are, are lazy. And love is costly and takes a huge amount of work on our part. Don't believe me. Just look at the divorce rate in America. Right? Why is it so easy to walk away from somebody that you promised to spend the rest of your life with? Because you're lazy. You're tired of putting in work. Marriage is a daily creation. It's one of the quotes I use in premarital counseling. Marriage is a daily creation. I don't know about you, it's hard to make stuff every day, isn't it? I mean, someday, I just, I, I'm like, Lord, you said I have a Sabbath. Can I have a day of rest from this marriage? Right? I mean, just a day. I, I'm not going anywhere. I Just one day that I don't have to love the other person. I mean, we've been doing it for 17 plus years now. One day of rest, Lord, a week. My wife would ask for more than that. She wants a vacation every now and then, too. Why do we have a tendency to draw the line when it comes to loving people? Because we're cheap and lazy, and and love takes work. It is costly. I, I want you to look at what Jesus lays out in this story. So there's one man that actually loves his neighbor, right? There's there's one man that loves the victim. Here And that the man that loves is a Samaritan. So let's just recap what's going on. So the Samaritan is heading somewhere. He's got a place to be. Ever been there? Got some? You got plans, right? So he has plans. He's got a place to be. And suddenly his whole life is interrupted. And he does something. He stops. He, he, he stops heading where he's going to head. He gets down off his donkey. He takes his own supplies. And he begins to bandage this man and clean his wounds. Then he places this, this bloody naked dude on his donkey. I'm sure there were some questions there, right? I mean, why, why is he carrying around a naked man? No, oh, I didn't think I was in Sodom. Like they're coming up with some things. They don't know what's going on. Some weird things flying here, right? I mean, you want to put some skin in the game. Let's just imagine you're driving downtown and you find a naked guy on the side of the road. You're the first one to open your door and pick him up and put him in the passenger seat. But he does. He places him on his donkey. Wherever he was going, that stops for the day. 
And instead, he goes to the nearest inn. He spends the night with the guy. Again, his day is completely interrupted. He spends the night there, and he pays the innkeeper to continue care. And if it goes over, he says, I'll come back and I'll pay more. Just think about the cost with me. Let's, let's start with time, right? It, it costs this man a huge amount of time. That's the one thing. We're not, we're not willing to give anybody the time a day. And yet, and yet this man, his whole life is altered for a day. When's the last time you were headed like somewhere and you just decided, no, you know, there's something going on. God's brought somebody into my path. I'm just going to stop everything I'm doing. I'm just going to focus here. It's been a long time. So, so it's time. He stops, he bandages him. He has to clean him. He has to carry him. Take him to a hotel. He has to spend the night with him. It costs him time. It costs him safety, right? I, I mean, one, he's, he's, you know, dealing with there's blood and there's issues there. There's some cleanliness stuff, but he's a Samaritan. Probably doesn't care that much. But he's also picking up a man who's just beaten nearly to death by a bunch of robbers on this very road in this very spot. You think there's a reason the other guys were like, okay, let's get out of here. Right? I mean, let's be honest. You know, you're driving around, you see somebody carjacked, you hit the gas pedal, don't you? Woo! I'll call the police as I head 90 miles an hour the other direction. This man's in the war zone. He's right there where the guy, so, so it's, it's safety's at risk here. Cost him his comfort, didn't it? He had to put the man on his own donkey. He walked. I mean, this guy actually had transportation. And he put the guy on the transportation. He walked alongside him. And not to mention, I mean, it's pretty uncomfortable carrying around a naked dude, right? A little uncomfortable. You've got to have some thick skin. You've got to be pretty confident in yourself. Yet here he is with a naked man just walking into town. And he bandaged him up. Covered him up some. Cost him uh, money, didn't it? You know, sometimes it costs money to love people well. Husbands, did you hear that? When's the last time you took your wife out on a date? Sometimes it costs money to love. It doesn't always have to be an expensive date, but sometimes it costs a little bit of money to love them well. A $3 card doesn't always cut it. He used his own bandages. He used his own wine. He paid for the hotel. He paid for the care. Offered to pay more. Listen, love always costs us something. And maybe that cost is opening yourself up to hurt. Right? Maybe that's the cost. What, what if this guy did all of it and it turned out that this naked bloody man was actually the one that started the fight? Could have happened. I mean, that's not the story, but I'm just saying. Didn't matter, did it? He still had to love the guy. That was his calling. That's what he was supposed to do. Love is always going to cost you something. It may cost you one of these things. It may cost you your time. It may cost you your safety. It may cost you your comfort. May cost you some money. But I promise you this if you're really loving people, there is a price that you'll have to pay. Okay? Which brings us to our application. So, so uh, a few things, and, and we'll, we'll dis- dismiss this morning. Number one, um, I think this passage challenges us to just do what we know, right? Do what you know. Listen, this expert in the law knew the answer. He said, What do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, Well, here's what you have to do, right? What, is it, what does the law say? And, and the law says, well, he, he says, okay, the law says, love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, yep, go do it. Go do that and you'll live. 
You know, the, the great church, the great problem with the American church today isn't a, a lack of knowledge. A lot of the people in the American church today have been in the American church for a long, 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 long time. They know the basics. You know, in, 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 a, in a handful of weeks, probably in a month or two, you could, you could figure out the basics, tenets of faith if you read through the New Testament. It's not that hard. Our problem's not knowledge. Our problem's application, right? And, and so, so Sunday after Sunday, churches are full and they're packed and people will come and they'll hear a pastor. You know, again, how many, time, how many of you have heard this very text or this very story preached at least five times throughout your life? At least five times. Wow! Gosh, now I'm nervous. You guys are comparing. Be like, yeah, and this one was the worst, man. Okay, wow. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that, dude. I'm a little, whoo. Huge point of the passage. Do what you know. You already know what to do. Like It's, it's not rocket science. <laughs> love God with everything you are and love people. And loving people means doing something. Just do what you know. You know what the Bible says? For anyone who knows what they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin unto him. It is actually sinful to have the knowledge that we have and to not act on it. That is actually an offense to God. By and large, we don't do the things we know. So we've got to do it. Our problem is not knowledge. It is application. So get active. Go and do the things that you know, okay? Nike, do it. Number two. It's time to stop justifying our lack of love for others. Got to. Got to. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. When we are unloving towards others, we're justifying a, a thing in our heart that is brooding and breeding. That thing is actually called hate. It's the same thing as murder. Jesus says so. You can check it out. Sermon on the Mount. It's in the book of Matthew. Starts in chapter 5. It's the same thing as killing somebody. Because the moment that we think we are better than somebody, we create room to do away with them. And many of us in this room have done that. We've done away with a certain group of people, and, and we have ill feelings towards them. We do. We do. Our nation, guys, I mean, let's be honest, is full of a whole bunch of people with ill feelings towards one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what is the call of Jesus in the midst of those kind of people? To realize that all people whose heart is beating, all people are created by God and are to be loved. It's the power of the gospel. You say, well, what if they harm me? Well, are you a Christian? It's not a rhetorical question. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Then you've got to be willing to be the harmed party. Why? Because Jesus the Christ was. Christians, right? Little Christ, that's what it means. It's like little kids following in their father's footsteps. Jesus was the innocent victim, always willing to be harmed, always willing to love, even though you know, they may kill him for it. What if that's your last final act, an act of love, and somebody kills you for it? Glory. Amen. That's how I go out. Amen, right? I'd rather go out loving somebody than clinging to all the junk in this world. Right? 
stop justifying our lack of love for others. No more, right? Can't, can't ask anymore, where's the line, Jesus? That, that, is, that means we've got a massive heart problem. We're about to die, okay? No, no more, who do I have to love? How, how far do I have to go? Just stop asking the question. Just do it. Just go love. Three, pay the price, okay? Love is costly, but it is worth it. It is worth it. And I'm going to say this to you. This is kind of big. We've been talking about the message that we're called to go out and the fact that the, the harvest is, is, is ripe. It's plentiful, right? We need more workers. But I'm going to say this to you. If you go out into the world and you try to be a messenger for Jesus, but you do not love, your words mean nothing. You are a resounding symbol or a, or, or a banging, you know, gong. I mean, it's nothing. Nothing. If we do not love... We gain nothing. But if we go out flawed as messengers like we are, right? Because we're all flawed. Get this though. If we go out in our flawed nature, messed up, but we love, that love of God covers a multitude of sins, including our own. It, it, it covers any shortcomings we may have in our, in our gospel presentation, right? Because we genuinely love and people see that. Brothers, sisters, th- th- that's our call, right? That's our call. Love God, love people, do something. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you.